Matter of fact, Ephesians, the next verse says it like this, 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So our job, men in our home, single mom in your home, our job is to put fences and barriers up everywhere. I mean, put fences up everywhere. Let people call you crazy. Let people say you're over the top. That's okay. Your job is not to please them. Your job is to please God. And you protect your home at all costs. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you. Some of our hearts are very heavy today for a variety of reasons. Some of us are greatly filled with joy. Perhaps there are some that are in between. Emotions all over the board. God, I simply pray this prayer that that your glory would rise above us. Do a work in this place that only you can do. As we continue to pray for revival and awakening and reformation on this corner, God, I pray you'd stir in our hearts today as we open your word. Do something fresh, oh God. Don't allow our relationship with you to grow stale and stagnant. But do something new. Create a new thing today, God. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise. To give you all the glory. Father, I pray that you move me out of the way and Hide me behind the shadows of the cross today, that we would just see you. Word of God, speak. Do the penetrating, probing work that only you can do. And we pray this all in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible, turn to James, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, looking at verses 5 through Six today, James four, five through six. And the title of the message today is a question that goes something like this. Does God oppose me? Doesn't sound overly positive. But I pray from God's word today, we will answer that question one way or the other. Because the reality, if you are living and breathing today, you know that we are living in a culture that's in crisis. We are living in the divided states of America that the reality is that we are one nation under self. People go, how do we get in this mess? <laughs> really? You got to ask that question. You kick God to the curb over and over in your life, in your home, your business, your ball team, and your church, and this is the mess you'll be in. God will not be mocked. For whatever we sow, we will reap. Now, here's the silver lining, the good news, church. The gospel has not lost its power. Amen. 
Let me say that one more time. The gospel has not lost its power. We live in an ever-changing culture, but we have a never-changing message. Like, hang on to this. Like, this is your life. My hunch is that things are going to get really interesting in the coming days. And if you're hanging on to your bank account and your 401k and all the junk in your garage for your hope, you're in sorry shape. It's Jesus who is and who forever will be the answer. So let's block out all the noise and let's dial into the mission. God's glory, be disciples that make disciples, and let's take Chester for the glory of God. Amen? Let's do this thing. It's high time. we got a beautiful example in front of us that the light of the gospel does not shine the brightest where it's already the brightest, but where it's the darkest. The light of the gospel will shine really, really brightly right now. James comes out of the gate here in this verse 5. And he says this, as I believe with clarity and certainty that God is purifying our country. And I believe he's purifying the American church. I think he has our attention. And it's what we do next that matters. And here's what James says in verse 5 of chapter 4. Pray you have a Bible open, heart ready. Or do you suppose... James writes, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, again, the ESV translation I'm reading from, or do you suppose it is no purpose that the Scripture says? He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us, question mark. Six, we love the first part of this verse, don't we? But it gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When there is a lust for power, you will see pride at its finest. When there is a lust for power, you will see pride at its finest. James says, look, I've already called you a bunch of cheaters in verse 4. Look at that in your Bible. You adulterous people. Not overly endearing. Definitely made a point. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. How many people, by a show of hands today, not a rhetorical question, believe in the authority of the Word of God? You believe in the Word. I believe it, amen? From the book of Table of Contents to the book of Maps, praise Jesus, amen? I mean, all over, right? I mean, just all over. We just love this stuff, don't we? I mean, it's the authority of the Word of God. There's, there's the Word of God that when we submit joyfully to it, it still hurts, it's painful at times, but when we submit under it, that's where the safety is. You get out from under it, you do your own thing, and you're going to have chaos. And James told us that, remember, in James 3, verse 16, he says, here's the deal, when there's selfishness, so a lust for power... When there's bitter jealousy, a lust for power, here's the byproduct of what you're going to get. 
confusion in every evil thing. People scratch their heads. Why is there such confusion? Why is there such evil? Because we're selfish. We live in a selfish country. We're not one nation under God. We were founded on one nation under God. The reality is we live in one nation under self. And James says, you can't be living in this. Remember, he's talking to believers. He's talking to the church here in James 4. And he's getting really, really up in their business with a, a firm rebuke saying, look, you're committing adultery. You are cheating on your Lord. You're cheating on your Lord. And there are going to be consequences to that. He says, do you suppose? So he lightens it a little bit. First, it's a bunch of cheaters. Then he's kind of like, let me back off a little bit here. And do you suppose, do you think? So he asks a question. Questions are good. You get people thinking, right? Because the reality is this. When you and I begin to change how we think and believe, we now will begin to change how we behave. Think about this for a moment. When you and I change how we think and what we believe, we will now change how we behave. If you believe in something, you're going to act on it. You're going to behave on it. Question for you, for me. What's the most important thing to you in your life? I mean, really, just answer that honestly. What's the most important thing to you in your life? Truthfully. So if the answer is Jesus, the next question that I have to address and you have to address is how much time are you spending cultivating that relationship? It gets alarming, doesn't it? I mean, everyone goes, Jesus Christ, amen. Then you go, let's go a little deeper beneath the surface here. So if that's true, I pray it's true. How much time are we spending cultivating his glory, cultivating us being disciples, taking ownership of our discipleship? Your discipleship is not for me to oversee. Your discipleship is for you to oversee. Now, I will proclaim the truth, I will teach it, but I don't take responsibility for your discipleship. I got enough problems in my own discipleship world, right? And the reality is, if we say it's Jesus, but then we look at the time we're spending cultivating that relationship, and it shows that we say he's this important, we say he's here, we say he takes this preeminence, but then we're really not backing it up with action, we got a problem. James says, why are you cheating on him? This is exactly what he's saying. He's saying, I, I know you all say Jesus is number one, but your actions, what you say with your mouth, James 3, 1 through 12, say otherwise. James 4, 1, where do wars and fights come from? They come from the evil desires, your motives that burn within you, that stir within you. Go, Jesus. Actions say something else. Good Jesus. No wonder there's such confusion. No wonder the world looks at the American church and goes, I don't want what you have. You're as miserable as I am. This is the point of what James is trying to get at. He's saying, look, Jesus has to be your all in all. Everything else has to be a secondary issue in your life. You say, well, why? Well, he says it right here. Look in your Bible. The scripture says, 
So not me, not your favorite preacher. The Scripture says, this is very key, make everything you do in life a scriptural issue. Run everything through the filter of Scripture. Not opinion, but Scripture. He yearns jealously over the Spirit that has made to dwell in us. So think about this. When there is a marriage, got a couple of those coming up, by the way, don't we? Marriage Saturday coming up here. Well, in a marriage situation... If there's cheating going on, there's probably going to be some jealousy. Amen? The same thing happens in the spiritual realm. Just because God is passively not throwing lightning bolts at us doesn't give us a green light to live in sin. We are storing up wrath for the day to come if we're not careful. And that's what I fear for our country. And God has been so gracious to us. For now, we are the land of the free, the home of the brave. But when we continue to rebel against God long enough, there will be a time where he says, enough, no more, no more, I'm done. And we just can't sit back any longer as the church, as the bride of Christ, and just kind of sit on hands and turn the other cheek, so to speak, a blind eye to this. No, we lovingly, with grace and mercy and truth, say, the point is we know it's Scripture that will set the human heart free. That's why key number one, I believe, is so important. Here it is, write it down in your notes. Key number one. God is jealous for our total devotion to Him. God is jealous for our total devotion to Him. Right there in James, it says he yearns, he desires, he longs for jealously with this envy that you're mine. I'm going to share you, you're mine. I I brought you from darkness to light. I, I took you from the grip of Satan to the power of me, God says. I'm not going to share you. You're mine. My sheep know me and my sheep know my voice. My sheep obey me. There's a being in tune, a longing, a desire to to please the Lord. Paul said, I make it my aim. Where's your aim today? Are you aiming to please the Lord? Is that your focus? Man, you wake up, you brush your teeth, some of you comb your hair, and your feet hit the floor, and you go, I can't wait to be used by the Lord. You sit there and go, God, what do you have in store for us today? Like, where are you taking us, God? Or do you, like I struggle with, my feet hit the floor and I tell God where I'm taking him? Dragging him all around town, trying to accomplish my goals and dreams and desires. And we wonder why there's not the breakthrough. We wonder why there's not the revival and the awakening. We wonder why our homes are falling apart. And it just makes perfect sense where there's selfishness, where there's bitter jealousy, confusion, and every evil thing will be there. I made a note here. I said this, God is jealous for our total devotion to Him, and He's not going to nonchalantly sit back and allow us to cheat on Him with the world. When we cheat on God, as we learned last week, we become His enemy. You know, one of the things I've discovered over my travels over these last many years is this, that many good-intentioned, professing believers are asking God constantly what He has for them. Write that down in your notes somewhere, F-O-R. Just write that down somewhere in the margin, F-O-R, because this is what we ask often. And by the way, this is not a bad thing. 
It's not a bad thing to go, God, what do you have for me? It's a good thing. But here's where we get off the tracks. So many times, God is waiting on us to give him what he wants from us first, and then he will show us what he has for us. So you got for and you got from. And it's so easy to get in the for mode. God, what do you have for? What do you have for? And there's many times God is saying, John, I want this from you. John, this in your life is an idol. John, this in your life is, is sin. John, this in your life is standing between you and I. And, and no wonder there's a, a broken fellowship vertically, John, because all you're doing, John, is asking for, for, for. And I got him saying, John, first I want what's from you. I want all of you. I want to smash and destroy those idols in your life. Darkness. People say, well, what's going on in our culture today? It's all about a spiritual war that's going on. There's darkness, there's light, there's holiness, there's righteousness. Ephesians 6 tells us this, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your battle today is not against that person in the cubicle next to you who you think is the spawn of Satan. That's not your battle. Your battle is a spiritual battle. And this is war. Like, this is real. Think about darkness for a moment. What does darkness do to us? Well, it's dark. Hard to know where we're going. Difficult in the direction of where we should be going. Off course, off compass. Darkness. Stay away from it in all forms. Let me just be very direct. Stay away from darkness in all forms. Stay away from it. Right now, I've been told, I don't know if this data is still correct, but I've been told that Wicca is the fastest growing religion amongst high school students. Don't mess with this stuff. Well, it's on the TV show. Don't watch it. Don't invite this into your life. It will take over. There are are real things called demonic forces. And when you open the door and just say, you know what, I'm going to play patty cake with it for just a moment. I'm just going to dabble with it for just a moment. It will bust through. It will take over your life. You won't even realize it. And off the spiritual cliff you go and your family's going with you. Let me give you an example. So, you know, occasionally we'll turn on the television and um, there's not a whole lot on that's anything worth watching. And there was a show we were watching the other night, Chris and I were, and it wasn't overtly, it wasn't overt, but it was an underlying tone. You know what I'm talking about? There's that underlying tone. And it was just kind of like, I don't want this junk in my house. Can't have this in here. Turn that off. It's going to pollute me is what's going to happen. It's going to pollute you. It's, it's going to desensitize us. So now what happens is we move the fence a little farther out, don't we? And that's Satan's ploy. Just move the fence a little further. And then a little further. And then we're rationalizing, we're justifying. Remember, denial is a river in Egypt. But it's a really bad game plan for the Christian life. Here's two things that will probably offend you. Social media. Am I against social media? The answer is no. I actually use social media. But here's where the enemy works. 
if we're not careful, we will spend hours upon hours checking out other people and what they're doing. We now become discontent. We're jealous. Our selfish ambition is rising through the roof as that meter is just blowing up one after the other. And we're not walking in holiness. We've wasted a whole bunch of time doing a whole bunch of nothing because probably the pictures you've been looking at at that family by the beach who's smiling in white clothes four seconds earlier, we're just killing each other. You know what I'm talking about? We smile, we say cheese, and we got the family reunion picture. Don't buy into this nonsense. Everyone puts their highlight reel out there, right? When's the last time you saw on social media, man, I'm a horrible sinner? Of course not, right? I mean, it's the pictures, it's the glamour and the glitz, and can it be used for good? Amen. Be careful, though, I'm telling you. It can become addictive. There's literally studies done on neurological arousal. I'm not making this stuff up. You get liked, you get followed, you get a dopamine drip. Ooh, man, it feels good. Man, I've been craving this. I didn't have this as a child. I finally get someone who likes me. Well, here we go. And, and everyone's liking everything, not even reading it. I went to an office a while back, and there's a, there's a gal there in her upper years, we'll say, and you know, she's just sitting there, had her arm back, and man, she had her phone up, and I'm sitting kind of behind her, social distancing, and couldn't see what she was exactly doing, but I mean, she had her phone like holding it up, and I mean, literally, she must have had like a callus and a blister on her thumb. I mean, it was going so fast, but I noticed she was like just checking, liking everything, not even reading it. Why do we do this? This is insanity. I know why we do it, because we want to be liked. Well, if I like you, you'll like me, I'll feel better about myself. I won't deal with my sin, but at least I'll feel better about myself. Utter, utter insanity. It can be so addictive. How about video games? Am I against video games? No. I grew up playing Atari. Amen? Tells you how old I am, right? Any Atari lovers out here? I knew we had to save people in this church. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. We had combat. Remember combat? It came with Atari. Like a yellow screen, two tanks. Ding, ding. Remember that thing? We thought it was amazing. Horrible. Graphics are horrible. Well, what do you got now? Well, here's what happens. Again, I'm not against playing video games, but here's what happens. We now get lost in a world that's not real. When we get sucked into this and we're like, this isn't even real. And before you know it, I mean, hours are going upon hours, hours, hours. And some of that stuff is not of the Lord, just demonic. The wickedness and the violence and the lewdness and the evil. Inviting into your heart, though, it's what you're doing. You're opening a door, going, come on in, darkness. And so often we do it to try to escape the pain of life. We see it all the time in men's ministry. We got what we call prolonged adolescence. We got grown men who are truly little boys and grown men bodies who are just getting sucked into this. You've got to be on your guard. Got to be in your guard. Write down 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. I'm going to give you two verses that I gave to you last week, but these are so important. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or sin? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? It, it doesn't coexist. It repels. Do not be yoked. Well, you know about a yoke for you farmers that... You'd have to be really old, I guess, to go back to these days. But you know, a yoke was literally a wooden beam 
Uh, you would take the two oxen and they got yoked together. And as they're yoked together, where one went, so did the other. And the word of God here says, don't be yoked to darkness. If you're yoked to darkness, if you're involved in Wicca, if you're addicted to social media, video games, pornography, on and on it goes. If you are inviting this darkness into your life, you will go wherever it leads you. And it's going to lead you off a cliff. Matter of fact, Ephesians, the next verse says it like this, 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So our job, men in our home, single mom in your home, our job is to put fences and barriers up everywhere. I mean, put fences up everywhere. Let people call you crazy. Let people say you're over the top. That's okay. Your job is not to please them. Your job is to please God. And you protect your home at all costs. Grandpas, do the same thing. Just step in. Well, they're not going to like it. They'll get over it. Speak truth into their life. We are in a war. We got kids. Are you ready for this one? We got high school kids eating laundry soap. And we're in a crisis, a major crisis. But here's the good news. The light of the gospel shines brightest where it's the darkest. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Think about this. Questions. Are you playing with darkness? Just answer that truthfully. Are you playing with darkness? Is darkness at your doorstep and it's just kind of, you're allowing it to coexist? How about this thought though? Here's another thought. Are you a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Like when you and I get up every morning, brush your teeth, some of you comb your hair, does the enemy go, oh no, he's awake. Oh no, she's awake. Quick. Minions, they're awake. They love Jesus. We're in trouble. Or do they look at me and you and laugh? And there's another lukewarm, professed believer. They're no threat to us. We'll just move on. Have you ever been betrayed before? Have you ever been betrayed? It's fun, isn't it? It's exciting. It's horrible, isn't it? I wonder what God thinks when I willingly choose sin over Him. I wonder what He thinks when you willingly choose sin over Him. So we've turned this gospel so often into a cheap grace. It's the cheap, watered-down grace. And James says, 
Church, you got to understand this, that the Spirit yearns, desires, jealously for you that are His. He's not going to stand back and just say, hey, knock yourself out and do your own thing. He says, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Well, here's the good news, verse 6, but He gives more grace, amen? Don't we love that? He gives more grace, doesn't He? Think about that for a moment. He gives, He supplies grants, He, He lavishes grace. If you are wondering, does God really lavish grace? Just look at the cross. That's all you got to look at is the cross and go, wow, here's my sin. My sin is so, so vile and so heinous against you, and yet you, you nailed your only begotten Son to the cross. But whosoever believes with faith by action, repents from their sin, will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good news, isn't it? If you thought about this, in order for there to be good news, there has to be bad news. In order for there to be good news, there has to be bad news. And the bad news is that without Jesus, we're lost. The good news is He sets us free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, amen? The Word says this, that when we confess our sins, and He's faithful and just to to forgive us, to, to pardon us, but He goes a whole step further. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, that's a hallelujah shouting time moment, amen? And we are completely set free. All your skeletons, all your junk, all your hurt, all your pain is all washed by the blood of the Lamb. There is nothing greater. There's nothing greater in this life. And yet we all succumb to the me monster, don't we? James says there's more grace. But then he says this phrase, God opposes the proud in verse 6 but He does give grace to the humble. So He supplies, He lavishly just heaps this grace upon us. But He says, wait a minute, there's a warning. There's a warning in this. If you're going to live as one nation under self, here is what you're signing up for. God's going to oppose you. It means this in the original language. He literally is going to war against you. This is God's Word saying, if you are going to say, look, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm not really in. It's not that big a deal. I'm going to live a prideful life. You are signing up to go to war against God. Matter of fact, when you look at this in the original, it means to resist, to rage and battle against. So the great God of the Bible, who, by the way, when he fights his battle, who always wins his battles? God. So when you and I say, look, we're going to be prideful, self-centered people, bitter jealousy, we are literally saying, God, A, I don't believe you. B, I don't trust you. C, God, we're going to war against each other. Is there anything more delusional than telling God you're going to go to war against him? That's utter insanity. But that's the deceitfulness of sin. It clouds, it deludes, we're off course, we don't know where we're headed, we're flipped upside down, we're moving in a direction we think we need to go in, we're really not, we're calling good, bad, and bad, good. Isaiah says, woe to you that do that. Woe to you that take good and call it evil and evil good. Woe to you. That's why key number two is so important. 
Write it down in your notes. Key number two. Even in the midst of cheating on God, His grace is greater in our lives when we are genuinely repentant. Let me say that again. Key number two. Even in the midst of cheating on God, His grace is greater in our lives when we are genuinely repentant. Jesus said in Luke, He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? He also says this, that unless you repent, you will perish. Unless you repent and turn from your wickedness, turn from your pridefulness, you will perish. The reality is the American church is filled with believers and non-believers. That's the reality. And in that, we profess a gospel, the gospel, that will set the heart free. The whole point of preaching, it means to herald. It's a proclamation that as we stand here, that we open the word, we get out of the way, we say, Holy Spirit, you do the work. All the oppression going on, even in this room right now, where the enemy is trying to hold back and hold back and blind and keep people deaf spiritually, man, we pray against that even right now, saying, God, set the captives free. Spurgeon said it like this. Do you suffer from spiritual poverty? It is your fault, for he giveth more grace. If you have not got it, It's not because it is not to be had, but because you have not gone for it, end quote. You say, well, if we get grace, can we just go out and party? Don't recommend it. Actually, here's what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. Paul addresses this question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue? Think about this. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, exclamation point. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who say we're no longer in darkness still walk in darkness? When you're in the light, you're in the light. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. The Word says this, that we are sealed for the day of redemption for those that are truly His. We are sealed. He takes His insignia ring. He folds over the letter of your life. He folds it over. He dips His insignia ring in His royal righteous blood. He stamps your letter, your life, with His blood, and you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, here's the challenge. You just can't go back and go, well, when I was seven, I got baptized. And nothing's happened for the last 40 years. That's not how this works. This is real and raw. It is high time that the church of Jesus Christ wake up, shake up, get on his mission. Because no matter what goes on in an election or a world or a virus... I don't care. You know why? Because the gospel is still my focus. You got to be dialed in. Luke 14 says it like this. Luke 14, 11. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Sounds exciting. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
See, the way up in God's economy is down. And the world says, just trample on whoever you have to to get to the top. Just do whatever you got to do. Just work, 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 chase the dollar, ignore your family, ignore your marriage. Just work, 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 work. Fill your garage with a bunch of junk. And then everyone's scratching their heads at the end of the day, coming into my office saying, my life's a wreck. Where does Jesus rank in your life is always the question I ask. In a few short moments, we find out quickly where the problem is. A prideful person. A prideful person. You know what I learned about myself? I'm more prideful than I want to admit. Here's a prideful person. Loves self-worship. Hates the concept of being humble. Bring up the word pride and our facial expressions many times tell the story. Has an inflated view of self. Is selfish. Often is not coachable, not teachable. Blame shifts. It's always someone else's fault, right? Deflects responsibility. Has an answer for everything you bring up. Is insecure. Doesn't like to joyfully submit to authority. Seeks the limelight. Typically has a marriage and family that's a wreck. Why? Think about it. Because you're at war with God. I mean, right here, God's word says, God opposes the proud. So if I'm a prideful person, even if I'm living in pride for a moment, for that moment, I'm going to war. Of course, my life's going to be a wreck. Has a life that's often out of control. Lives a life that's deceived by self. And here's where it really gets nasty is a prideful person is actually hindering the gospel. Like when we're prideful, we're hindering the gospel. We're actually on Satan's payroll, at least for that moment. And ultimately, that man, that woman, that student fears man more than God. Please, 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 if that's you, if that's me, let's repent today. Let's repent today. Please, 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 if that's you and me, let's not hang around those people. We will become who we hang out with. How about a humble person? A humble person loves God worship. Hates the concept of being prideful. It just gets on you and you're like, oh, I can't even be this. I don't want to even have this in my life. They go to war against pride. They think of self less. They push other people to the front. They don't sink the limelight. They don't want this. They don't seek it. They don't seek the limelight. They're like, man, we want you to, we want to release leaders and put you out there and we'll stay in the back. Is coachable, is teachable, takes responsibility for their own behavior, doesn't make excuses, is secure in Christ, joyfully submits to authority, does not seek the limelight, typically has a marriage and family that is at least somewhat thriving. Humility is self-revealing. There's brokenness and contrition. They help the gospel go forth. Their aim is to advance the gospel. 
And ultimately, they fear God more than man. Please, 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 I beg you. Hang around these people. Find these people in your life as they emulate Christ. As Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what's the takeaway question? Here it is. Am I hanging on to grace? All the while quenching and grieving the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Takeaway question. Am I hanging on to grace? All the while quenching and grieving the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I would say that this in my travels and in my own broken life is one of, if not the most challenging aspects of the Christian walk. It's so easy to hang on to the grace of God, all while quenching at time and grieving the Holy Spirit through our pride. Think about this for a moment. Remember the Garden of Eden? If you're in the book of Table of Contents, just one over to the right, and there you are, Genesis, right? And what happens? Well, you know the story. Well, the serpent comes to Eve and he says, hey, got an idea. And as he reveals his plan, have you noticed this? He doesn't ask Eve to worship him. No. He actually prays, P-R-E-Y-S, E-Y-S, on her pride. And he says these words that we all like to hear. You, you, you will become like God. It's intoxicating, isn't it? That's why we love on social media to be liked and followed. There's just something about it that gives us that neurological arousal in the battlefield of the mind where the circus is going on. And that's why Paul in Romans said, Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be fit into their mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say, worship me. Satan said, you will be like God. And the rest is history. Do you see how challenging this is, church? Do you see this? Do you see how challenging this is? We don't want to play with darkness. Don't play with darkness. It will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your business, your ball team, and it will destroy your church. Now, there's a positive in all this, amen? Guess what happens when you play in the light? Some good things going on, amen? But it's going to take a choice. we got to look unto Jesus first. We look to Jesus for the joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And now He sits at the right hand of the Father. But that text in Hebrews says this as well. Let us cast off. Let us cast off all the sin and anything that ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. What's all that mean? Look to Jesus and go to war against your sin. As you look to Jesus, as you go to war against your sin, that twofold plan of attack will reap glorious, glorious consequences.
in your life. And you say, what's the action step? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. I will seek daily to be a totally devoted follower of Jesus. I will seek daily to be a totally devoted follower of Jesus. I've asked this question of myself a lot, and I've asked it of you as well as our church, but the question is simply, how do we respond when we don't get what we want? It's a great exposure of where we are on the selfish meter. So here's a thought that hit me this last week. I had one of those days. You guys ever have one of those days? Anyone besides me ever have one of those days? It was one of those days. You know what I'm talking about? Let me ask this question one more time. Anyone ever had one of those days? <laughs> You're just kind of like, Lord, bring the rapture. You know, it's like, oh, this is, this is wild. And well, you know what happened next? I started to complain. I know you guys have never done that. I was complaining. I was a bellyacher, the whiner. Well, the Lord hit me. And I made this note. I said, next time I, you complain, let's pause and ask ourselves. Are we complaining because we are selfishly not getting what we want? You ever heard of the concept of a spiritual two by four? There she was, right there between my head. Yeah, that was it. See, complaining and selfishness are bedfellows. I'm not talking about righteous thoughts of, hey, this is wrong and, and this has to be corrected. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about complaining. You know what I'm talking about here. Bellyache and whining, discontent, just always, you know, what am I not getting what I want? And just constant. It just becomes a, a tidal wave, a domino effect, so to speak. So think about this, Mark 8, 35. I'm going to give you some closing verses from the Word that I pray will dig deep into your soul as we close. Mark 8, 35, here it is. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's life, she saved it. This is just backwards to the world. The world says, again, trample on whoever you have to get to to get to the top. And Jesus says the way up is actually down. You actually win by losing, you live by dying. Do you see why it's so important, church? Do you understand this? Do you see why it's so important that we're in the Word? This is why it's so important you're in the Word. If you're not in the Word, you'll begin to get yoked to something else. And whatever you're yoked to is where you're headed. Luke 13.5, I mentioned this earlier. Luke 13, 5, no, I tell you, Jesus says, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repenting is not changing your behavior and modifying it. Repentance is what happens in your hearts. It's where like right now, maybe someone's sitting here right now going, man, the Holy Spirit is like all up in my business. And I'm hearing it clearly. And I know I'm walking in the wrong path. And I, and I, I have to give this over to the Lord. I got to get on his path. My life is unraveling at the seams. That's why we plead. We plead. Be reconciled to God. We plead. And you say, I'm still not getting it. Okay? Well, how about Luke 14 to close? Luke 14, 25 through 33. Here's what it says. God's word, not mine. 
Now great crowds accompanied him, Jesus, and he turned and said to them. So pause for a moment. He's got a mega church following him. Most of us would go, this is amazing. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Let's not ruffle any feathers. That's not how Jesus rolls. Here's what he said. He turns to this great crowd. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone else need an aspirin after reading that? I mean, all these crowds are following. He's got mega church, Jesus central, and he goes, I'm going to go thin the crowd. I'm going to go thin it. Like, if you're really not in, if you don't hate everything in comparison to your devotion to me, you can't be my disciple. Wow. That doesn't sound like the American church. 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man, this man, began to build and was not able to finish. And what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him, who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks, he asks for terms of peace. 33, so therefore, in light of what was just said, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I read that over the years in my travels. Often I'll hear someone say, I had no idea that was in the Bible. Yeah, it's there. And imagine what would happen in our country if all professing believers, including myself, began to live Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33. Imagine what would happen. Our homes, our businesses, our ball teams, and our churches would never be the same again. And yet we live in one nation under self. Question for you, is God opposed to you? Is he opposed to you? Because the word says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Are you proud? Are you rebelling in defiance even right now against God? Because when God says that I oppose you, the image is this. It's like someone putting their hand out on your forehead while you run in place. And that's what he's doing. And our selfishness and our rebellion and our stiff neck and our hard-hearted desires. So often we think it's not a big deal. Well, it's an incredibly big deal. So my question as we close is simply this. What is God speaking to your heart today? What will you do today? Remember, as once was once said, the issue is not that you failed. Whoever said that was a genius. I love this. The issue is not that you failed. We all fail. I mean, I struggle. I mean, there's some days it's just like, I can't get anything right. But there's more grace. 
There's more grace. What that means is this, that there's more grace, that His grace is greater than all your sin. There's nothing greater. You can't acquire enough in this life. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but in the end he loses his soul? Failing in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. What will you do next? Will you repent, confess, humble yourself? Or will you and I live in a prideful defiance that's inviting judgment? Inviting. Come on, God. Bring it to my house. Bring it to my church. We're going to war against you. Father, we come before you. And God, as we simply cry out to you during this time, Father, I pray. I pray now against the spirit of darkness in our homes. I pray against the spirit of rebellion and defiance and, and wickedness. God, I pray that we'll get set free today. God, I know in a group of people this size, there's some people that need to get set free. Today's your day to get set free. And so God, would you speak? Would you work in this time? God, don't allow us to be casual Christians any longer because that's a contradiction in terms. We're either in or we're out. And so God, would you do something? I pray right now you'll do something. And we talk about revival all the time. And the question is, who's going to be the one that's going to crawl up on the altar and be the kindling that starts the revival? It's easy to talk about it. It's a whole different thing to humble ourselves and to say, I'll start the fire. I'll be the one. How will you do something? Just move. Prepare marriages in this room today. We speak the name of Jesus. Right now we speak the name. The name that's above every name. Over addiction in this room. Families that are just being torn apart at the seams by selfishness. Lives that invited wickedness into their own hearts. These lives that have just said, hey, wickedness, come on in. Darkness, come on in. Got to pray against that today. Holy Spirit, will you move in this place? Will you speak? Don't allow us to rebel. But help us to be the people today that say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And even if none go with us, we're still following Jesus. Got to pray against business as usual. And I pray you'll stir right now in this time. And we give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.